Big Bopper. It's Big Bopper. Every song he said, it's the Big Bopper. And then he started singing like people didn't know. Just just to make sure if the radio jockey didn't give him the proper intro, he gave himself an intro on every track. It's the Big Bopper. Died in a plane crash with Buddy Holly. Pilot was super tired. They think he tried to go up. He went down, just slammed in the ground. Day of the music died. And they were singing Bye Bye, Miss American Pie. The Big Bop. White Lightning. All right, anyway. He, it sounds like he's like 40 years old and creepy. He's like 26. Died at 28. Oh, he's shaking his ass right now. I wish you guys could see this. Big Bopper. Anyway, good morning. How's everyone doing? How is everyone doing? A uh, little technical difficulties at the start of the show. I don't really know what happened there, except I do. It was user error. I'm going to act like it's not user error. It's going to say I'm just going to act like it was the technology. But no, it was my fault. Um, but we're not going to act like it's my fault. It was definitely just the technology. So good morning to Norm. Good morning to Blaine. Good morning to Troy and Jill and Abe and Kyle. We got uh, Kyle and Periscope always here. Checking in from a deployed location. What's up, man? Uh, morning from Maine, Middle Tennessee, Idaho. Hell yeah. Morning, everyone. How you doing? The Big Bopper. It's the Big Bopper here. We know, man. We put on the song. We know who's singing. No, it's awesome. Go listen to any Big Bopper song. Well, it's me, the Big Bopper. <laughs> it's every song. Anyway, uh, Morning. Happy Thursday morning. Hope everyone's doing swell. Like I said, the uh, technical difficulties were user error, so I apologize for the false start there. My bad. My bad. Got some good rabbit holes today, but first, we got a lot of shows. Usually Thursday is a very light day on in the John Boy Media world, but we released Talking Yanks early because we were so damn excited to talk about baseball and the new rules and how they affect the Yankees. So if you're a Yankees fan, I mean, that was the most fun I've had talking about the Yankees probably since game five of the ALCS. Um, so that was awesome. Laughs from the past. We got a little laughs. <laughs> uh, it's... Uh, 
was it's the Voychuk manuscript. Basically, this book was written back in the day in a language that nobody knows. And some people think like aliens. Other people think like secret cult. Could just be a prank. Nobody knows. Um, but Jake and I got into like a weird debate at the end where we kind of didn't know what each other were saying. So we just argued our way through it. So you can go check that out. John Boy and Jake Radio coming up today. John Boy and Jake Radio has been a blast. Uh, we had like uh, a lot of people watching live yesterday in the chat. So that was fun. There's talks, there's talks of John Boy and Jake Radio going on this channel, maybe a tester period for a month. Just be prepared that July is going to be a big month for the company. We got a, we got some big deals coming in, actually tail end of July, and we got some new shows that we want to drop, and we may, uh, it's going to be like a, a tester month for, for the main channel. So. Just know that's coming. We're probably going to do a big, like, uh, a video. Like, hey, new new content schedule releases. Uh, give us a month. Um, you guys can be privy to that information sooner. You know, basically the thought process is we like J- John Boy Jake Radio. We don't think it hurts anyone. It's just fun. So why not give it to the main channel? Same with watching Baggage and watching whatever. Like, those are, we love that content. And if we love the content, we should just put it on the main channel and see if everyone else loves it. Um, and uh, we're getting better at at everyone not hating everything that isn't a breakdown. So that's good. You guys are here. We got uh, some uh, works and works on this with some ads and stuff because it's uh, it gets real people. So that's cool. Anyway, uh, sequence Trevor Plouffe coming out with another sequence. I think he did himself again. Sequence is getting a whole new. Uh, um, uh, facelift, if you want to say, like the full episodes, the full conversations that Trev has with the guests will be on the um, will be on the podcast app now, so you can just listen. And we might be a sequence YouTube channel, so that the clips that we put on YouTube, we can make them ten minutes, um, fifteen minutes of just the at bat. I think more people will be attracted to the shorter just the at bat. So uh, that's the sequence. And talking nets came out, and they chatted with, uh, uh, I believe, a Nets employee because all, every basketball team is doing Pride Month now and every sports team is doing Pride Month, and the Nets were super early to doing Pride Month and celebrating it, and I think they talked about, like, hey, like how that happened, why that happened, and, and all that. So, good. Good. German accent real quick. Drew Haverman in the YouTube chat says, Jimmy got his hair colored, looks good, coming from a barber. Drew, I did get my hair colored. I don't know if it looks good because it's kind of like Auburn on the sides, but the first initial batch of dye looked so bad that we immediately had to strip all the dye out, and this is the end result. So it was a mistake, but I, I a lot of people didn't mind the grays. I hated when I would see the back of my head and see how gray it was. So I, I was very happy. I'm very happy with the change of the hair. Anyway, let's get to the fun stuff, and I'll do the intro, which I forgot to do because we were big bopping. Oh, I'm the big bopper. Yes, we know. We played the song. Uh, This is The Morning Show. It's uh, little bite-sized bits of everything I enjoy. We drink coffee. Coffee. And uh, we talk about weather and geography and American history and books and baseball. And then at the end, I do a little Q&A with the chat. Because I like the little community we've built here. So awesome. The weather today in Ogallala, Nebraska, is 64 degrees 
and mostly sunny in Ogallala, Nebraska. Now, producer Luke is my younger brother. He chooses the towns and the players completely at random, and I just find info on them, unless someone uh, messages him and suggests it. So I click it, and I see Ogallala, Nebraska on there, and I'm like, fuck, I've been to Ogallala, Nebraska. I know I've been there. And turns out I was there on producer Luke's birthday. So if I believed in the universe and spiritual shit, I'd probably be like, what are the odds that producer Luke chose Ogallala, a place that I visited on his birthday? Can you believe that I hit my 61st home run on my father's 61st birthday? That was just, I guess, meant to be. Shut up, Mark McGuire. Uh, <laughs> damn! Did not mean to insult Mark right there, but that was a dumb part. I mean, I don't care about random stuff like that. Like, it's not meant to be, dude. It's fucking happened. No one was pulling the strings up into the clouds being like, what if we have Mark hit his 61st home run on his dad's 61st birthday? And then they, all, the, all the gods are like, yes, 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 yes. That's great. Okay. No, dude, it just fucking happened. Randomness exists. Uh, but anyway, here's my tweets about Ogallala. November 18th, 2013, tweeting to absolutely no one, probably had like 200 followers at this time, uh, just ex-college friends, and, uh, you know, tweet number one, I'm staying in a town called Ogallala tonight. Been saying it out loud to myself for 10 minutes, trying to figure out how it's pronounced. Uh, an update, two seconds later. Update, I never had it right once. Ogallala. Ogallala. But I was listening today, and they put the emphasis on the O, because the way I have it here is Ogallala. Ogallala, whatever. It's a mouthful. Third update, good news. I made it to Ogallala, Nebraska. Bad news, Ogallala, Nebraska smells like it's paved with cow shit. It did. I remember now. I also stayed when I was in Ogallala. 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 When I was in Ogallala, Nebraska. So I was driving... I was driving home from Davis, California. So Davis isn't even on the map here. Where's Davis? Okay, so I had I was driving from like around here. You can see my mouse all the way on the left side. And I made it to Ogallala, I think. How far would that be? Davis, California to Ogallala, 18 hours. Yep, that adds up. When I drove cross-country this time, I did like three 18-hour trips. So that's where I went. And then when you get to Ogallala, it's creepy, man. Especially when you get there at dark. I booked this like motel because it was just too dark and driving in the dark sucks. And Ogallala is this small little, like it's like a cow town, you know. It was on the Pony Express, and then the Transcontinental Railroad came through, and they got, like, uh, Old Front Street, and they got a boot hill, which if you don't know what a boot hill is, that's in the Wild West where they would just bury everyone. You know, he went out with his boots on. Let's bury him at boot hill, that kind of that thing. And I stayed at – I actually found the motel that I stayed at. It was uh, – fuck, what was it called? What am I do? I don't know. It's scary though because Ogalala. Ogalala. It was scary because let's see, hotel. It's called America something. 
Yep, here it is. American Inn by Windham Ogawa. So shout out to them. Huge ad on the show for free even. But I stayed there one night, so I technically paid them for this. Where the fuck are you? It was creepy because it was middle of the night when I arrived, and I was just sleeping and leaving, and I got this spot. I drove in like this. I turned around right here, and I stayed in this corner room right here. And the whole time I was thinking about it, I was thinking about the movie Breakdown with Kurt Russell. You guys ever seen that movie? Movies scared the fuck out of me when I was in high school. Breakdown is like these 18-wheeler truckers fake breakdown on the side of the road. And then and then uh, people help them because they're like, you know, I'll be nice to these truckers who are broken down on the side of the road. And then they kidnap them. It's Kurt Russell and I forget who that is. Oh, no, no, no. What happens is the truckers cut the wires of Kurt Russell's truck so they break down. Then the truckers show up to help but end up kidnapping his wife and, like, knocking him out. Then Kurt Russell's got to be all badass and go catch his wife. And uh, I watched it when I was, like, 14 at late at night and scared me. And now I'm just scared of truckers. Not really. Not really scared of truckers. But uh, when I was staying at this hotel in Ogallala, I was like, fuck. What if I get the breakdown treatment Kurt Russell got and my wife, who's not with me and I don't have, gets kidnapped and then I have to hunt him down? There's no way I can do that. I have no skills. So anyway, that's old Galala. I found this YouTube that just has pictures of uh, downtown Ogallala when it was uh, like a cow town. They had an opera in 1886. So if anyone is from Ogallala and you haven't watched this YouTube, shout out Ron Mercer, 24 subscribers. Just giving the town of Ogallala exactly what they want. Look at this shit. History pictures. There's the hotel. Scully Hotel. What a name. The Exchange Bank. Guy with a nice mustache. Ah, first grade class. Okay. The people that are listening to the podcast. Those numbers have been going up and up every day. And more people listen to this on the podcast app than the day before. And every day, I apologize. That's a really cool picture. Whoa, go back to that picture. Just chilling outside the hotel in 1906, having a blast. Sitting on the railings, letting your legs dangle. Women up top, men down below. What a cool picture. I love history pictures. Look at this. 1910, Ogallala, Ogallala Rodeo. I love little cow towns like this. It's crazy how they boomed. Wow. There's a lot of people here in 1915. There's like, if you want to go to Ogallala, you can see eagles. You can also see eagles in Southbury, Connecticut. We used to go there. Okay. Mr. and Mrs. J.J. Geisert. Mrs. J.J. Geisert. I thought that was his son at first. I think she's got blonde hair, so it's a tough picture because it just looks like she's kind of bald. What's going on here? Okay, this is them later in life. Mansion on the Hill. Good Bruce Springsteen song. All right, stop, Jimmy. No one cares about this anymore. I got lost. I got lost. 
I got lost in the history pictures. I forgot I was doing a show, and I was just on my couch clicking history pictures, going down the rabbit hole. I'm not Player of the day, Steve Adkins. And actually, the player of the day that producer Luke gave me wasn't Steve Adkins. I had to audible it because it was this guy named Chuck Carey who didn't have that much info on him. But while searching about Chuck Carey, I learned about the 1990 Yankees, which was an absolute shit show of a team. Like, you think the Reggie Jackson years were the Bronx Zoo? Check out the Mel Hall years. Mel Hall, Mel Hall was, like, such a bad teammate. That players refused to go play for the Yankees. He would bring cougars and exotic animals into the clubhouse, and they would piss and shit everywhere. And people were like, "What the fuck, Mel?" Uh, and um, when Buck Showalter and Stick Michael took over the Yankees, they're like, "Number one, let's get rid of Hall because he's a pretty bad clubhouse culture." So, so that's not Steve Adkins, anyway. Steve Adkins, guys. Tough debut for our dude, Stevie, who was, I mean, let me see if I have any other info on here. Um, He's like a 15th round pick. Let me see. Let me see. He's a 15th round pick. He didn't make his start until he was 26. He had some tough quotes when he was in the minors. He said, this was his quote when he was in the minors, Steve Atkins. He said, the best way to make the rotation here is to be traded make the rotation somewhere else, come back here as a free agent. If you have a bad game and aren't making $2 million a year, you can't pitch in the big leagues. So kind of calling out the Yankees that, you know, you don't give anyone a chance here. You just use this as trade bait, and you let us go somewhere else. So he finally gets his start late September 1990, September 12th, so early September. I correct myself immediately, and guys, it's ugly. It's so ugly. Um, it's very it's very weird. So he's playing the Rangers. We have a weird logo. We can do a nickname check real quick, but it's the 90s, so I'm guessing there's not many. Jeff, Jeff, John, Kevin, Gary, Raphael, Ruben, Juan, Pete, Mike, Gino, Steve, Scott, Jack, Gary, Charlie, Jeff, Mike, Brad, Kenny. No nicknames. Roberto, Steve, Kevin, Mel, Steve, Jesse, Hensley, Bam Bam. Mullins was his nickname. Like, if he played in the 1920s, his baseball reference would say Bam Bam Mullins. I also met him at winter meetings the other year. Al Leiter introduced us. and Very funny interaction with Al Leiter and Bam Bam. Jim Leritz, Brian Dorsett, Matt Noakes, Rick Saron, Alvaro. No nicknames. No nicknames in the 90s. All right. You ready? Check out the game log here. First off. He's he's pitching against Charlie Hugh, knuckleballer. And I believe Charlie's 42 years old at this time in 1990. Huff, Charlie Huff. Why did I say Hugh? Uh, uh, 40, in 1990, he was 42 years old. Just doing the damn thing, throwing the knuckleball. Um, Steve Atkins threw a knuckle curve. Not a knuckle ball, but a knuckle curve. I wonder if I have a ball here. Hey, Jake. 
there a ball out there? I don't know if they heard me. Zach. All right, whatever. He threw a knuckle curve, which is like, but he threw it like how Musina throws it. I really want a ball to like do the fingers thing. I mean, I have a ball anywhere. I think I always got balls everywhere. Anyway, uh, rough debut for Steve Atkins. He threw a knuckle curve where he threw, I'm getting a ball. Okay, I got it. I don't know why I feel so fucking necessary to do this, but like, all right, if you throw a curveball like this, with my hand, you see like a, a spiked curve a lot where they'll they'll spike this second finger. I can't even do it. I don't have big enough hands. They'll spike the second finger to put pressure, more pressure on here. So when they throw it, they snap it. So like. You know, well, how this dude threw it was how Mike Messina threw it, which is really hard because they basically dug their knuckles into it here, right? And then they flicked it. So it was like more like a splitter. I think Mike Messina even did his two middle fingers. I forget. More like a splitter tumbling action. Flicked it. Really hard pitch to throw. Messina was awesome at it. There's like a spiked spiked curve and then uh, a true knuckle curve where they're they're going, which is kind of like in Little League, a good way to teach a kid how to throw it. Um, bam. So really tough pitch to throw. So he's throwing a knuckle curve. He's facing Charlie Huff. He's throwing a knuckleball. Charlie Huff's 42. This kid's making his debut. And uh, he says that, you know, usually he in his quote after the game, Atkins was like, I dig my nails in, and I spin it forward, and usually it goes, and it just fucking drops. And um, if you watch Messina's, knuckle curve sometimes it'll drop this way sometimes it'll drop that way because it's really just like a tumbling action more than the the classic um just like snap you know so shout out to al zero on the ball so he can't throw a fucking strike is basically the story he walks the first batter then he gets a ground ball double play John Russell, ground ball double play. Then he walks Palmero. Then he walks Ruben Sierra. Then he gets a strikeout swinging. So he didn't give up a hit, but he loaded the bases with walks. So in his first five batters, he walked three guys. The very next inning, he induces a fly ball to Pete. Then he walks five guys in a row. He walks Mike Stanley. He walks Steve Buccelli. Kubau, Scott Kubau. I don't know all these names. He walks Jeff Kunkel, <laughs> John Russell. He walked five people in a row. So, in total, in Steve Adkins' debut, he walked one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people, and he faced 12 batters. One, two, three, 11. He faced 11 batters and walked eight of them, and then got pulled. And then they bring in Mark Leiter, and he walks Palmero right away, 
which means if he walked the next batter, Ruben Sierra, they would have broken a record for most consecutive walks ever with seven. But he didn't. Ruben Sierra swung at the first pitch and lined out. Come on, Ruben. Have fun first one time. We got a record on the line here. Swing at the first pitch. Damn. We need, like, people with, you know, all these dumb, stupid records. We need to just put them on the board in the middle of the game to put more pressure on guys, you know? Like, say it's a Wednesday day game and a guy's two for two for two with two doubles, and then he steps up to the box for his third at bat, and you just say, no player in the history of baseball has gone three for three with three doubles on a Wednesday day game. And then he steps out of the box, and he looks at the big screen, and he's like, oh, shit. Okay, guess I got to hit a double. And you just go the other team into these records. That's the new scoreboard strategy I just thought about. You guys just saw it develop in my brain. So, okay, you know, say the opposing pitcher's on the mound and he, you know, say he's thrown six consecutive strikes on a Thursday on the back end of a double header. You flash on the big screen like, ah, ah, ah. No pitcher has ever thrown eight straight strikes on the back end of a doubleheader on a Thursday. Now the batter knows a strike's coming because the pitcher's like, fuck, I got to break the record. I'm going to throw a strike. Home run. Okay, that's how you get everyone working on the same page. You just get the scoreboard operator into it. You goad the other team into uh, fucking up. Anyway, Steve Atkins had a, his next start was good, I believe. But his career didn't get at past 1990. He got traded, and then unlike what he said, where he's like, you know, the only way to make the rotation is to get traded and come back, he never came back. He just got traded, and he never broke broke camp with – I think he got traded to the Indians or the Tigers. But his next game two weeks later was good, I believe, against Milwaukee. Let's see. He had a good game in here somewhere where he he had, like, no no hitter for a while. He walked a lot of people. Let's see. This is a game against Milwaukee a couple, two weeks later. He walked the first two batters, so it's like, ah, shit. Then he induced a double play. Hell yeah. One, two, three inning in the second. One, two, three inning in the third. Strikeout, walk, no hits through four. Ground out, walk, fly, no hits through five, but he's walking so many people. All right, in the sixth inning, he's got no hits, walk, ground out, ground out, wild pitch. Okay, so through six, he had a no hitter. Uh, in the seventh, Greg Vaughn opened it up with a double. I believe I met Greg Vaughn because my neighbor was John Valentine, uh, who played for the Red Sox in Hazlitt, New Jersey. John Valentine. And John Valentine, yeah, I met they, his dad, who was my neighbor. John Valentine's dad was my neighbor in Hazlitt, New Jersey. Um, when Valentine was playing for the Red Sox, and his dad brought me to a Yankees Red Sox game, and they brought me down to the side of the dugout, and they met Greg Vaughn. Or no, they met Mo Vaughn. Fuck, I don't know who I met, but I believe when did interleague play start? I've been sharing interleague play began because I think. Uh, interleague play, when did it start? Did, did 20 years of interleague play, that's it, until 1997, when did you really hear? 1997. So I believe my neighbor, John Valentine, in 1997, had the first 
Grand Slam in history off Randy Johnson. Maybe it was on April 11th. No, because that's not interleague play, you dumb piece of shit, Jimmy. Um, okay, easier way to find this would be to go home run log. And to go to 1997, 1997, and then RBIs and find four. Oh, I think this has been a lie. I think everything's been a lie. Dude, he did something because they kept his bat. John, now I'm getting frustrated because my memory's wrong and that's annoying. John Valentin, first interleague play. First what? I'm hoping Google fills in the blank. Uh, the first interleague game at Fenway Park was played out in front. John Valentin, the third. What the fuck? Pissing me off. I remember John Valentin's dad telling me that the Hall of Fame took his bat and he was pretty mad about it because he broke some interleague record. First something to do something. And now I can't remember it. It seems like it's not even a real thing. It's pissing me off. God, am I wrong here? He turned an unassisted triple play. Yeah, I read that. First grand slam in interleague. That's what I remember it being. First, The first grand slam in interleague play. That's not what we want. Whatever. Whatever. First home run of interleague play. Play. The first interleague play was on June twelfth as Texas Rangers hosted. <clears throat> I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know what this story from my childhood is. Everything feels fake. Oh, <clears throat> well, here's in he hit two home runs in a row off Randy Johnson, so that's maybe something I remember from nineteen ninety seven. Fuck if I know. God damn. I know nothing. My whole childhood's fake. I blew it. John Valentin and his neighbor. He's from South Orange. <clears throat> I changed the way I talk a lot because I moved. I moved from New Jersey to Australia. When I moved to Australia, no one made fun of our New Jersey accents because they didn't know a regional American accent. They just <clears throat> thought it was a classic American accent. And then after that, after Australia, I moved to Illinois <clears throat> and everyone just crushed me for the way I talked. Water, uh, orange, tournament, like all the Jersey accent. I got sick of it because I was a speech impediment kid already. Couldn't have two things wrong with the way I talked. So I changed the way I said water. I don't say water anymore. My sisters still kind of say water, drawer, draw. But I could never change the way I say orange. So anytime I'm in California or, or Illinois or talking with my old friends and I say the word orange, I get tripped up. Like, like uh, people who have speech impediments, but they know which words to avoid. That's one for me. Because everyone that's from the East Coast is like, orange? Don't you mean orange? Ah. You talk different than me, and I don't like that. 
Uh, okay. How do we get there? What am I talking about? Quick rundown of like East Coast accents. Boston, you put an H, WADA. New York, New, Jer- New Jersey, you put an R, Warder. Philadelphia, you change the A to two O's, Wooder. There you go. Now you're an expert. Philly accent's gross, Wooder. Want some Wooder ice? Sounds like a trash can talking. Bam Margera, Philly accent. Now you all know. All right. I don't know where we just started and went, but that is the full story of uh, Atkins' rough debut. And that's all I have to say about that. Look, we're doing a popular one today. On the Road by Jack Kerouac. A super popular book. Here it is. Smooth. Super popular book. Uh, one of like the biggest, like you know, introduced introduced America to the beat generation. It's uh, a while ago. This audience has grown, so I don't know how many people have watched all the episodes. But this is, you know, I talked about Roman the Cle books, where it's like half autobiographical, biographical, but there's some different things. And uh, man, I like this book, and I don't like. It's got some really cool vignettes and moments, but. It's pretty easy to read, but it's also, like, exhausting to read because it's just nonstop. He wrote it in three weeks on the same piece of paper. Like, it was just a long-ass roll. It's just like... And that's how it reads. Oh, it's like kind of stream of consciousness, kind of like... It's very much like how you would remember a story and you you would take cocaine and then you would just tell all your friends, like, every detail of what happened. And your friends would be like, dude, slow down, slow down. Wait, what? What happened on the road trip? You're going so fast. But I think that's, in, that's you know, what it's supposed to do. And I don't know if I identify with the beats at all. I wanted to when you first read about them. And you're like, man, these guys are living. It's 1950s and they are living. L-I-V-I-N. I like reading about it, but I don't think I identify with it at all. Like, the lifestyle seems exhausting. They made a movie of this with Garrett Hudlin, who I love. And I have a lot of lines underlined here. Let's see. Let's find one. Um... Love Garrett Hudland. Fantastic. Uh, Country Strong. Remember uh, Friday Night Lights? Love Garrett Hudland. The only people for me are the mad ones. Oh, this is from like the movie. Like this is a quote. It's like the most famous quote. The only people for me are the mad ones. The ones who are mad to live, mad to talk, mad to be saved. Desirous of everything at the same time. The ones who never yawn or say a commonplace Fucking commonplace thing. But burn, 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 like the fabulous yellow Roman candles exploding like spiders across the stars in the middle, and you see the blue center light pop, and everyone goes, ah. I yawn all the time, so I guess he wouldn't like me. Even when I'm not tired, just yawning. Just yawning nonstop. Um, I've never read any other Kerouac, Kerouac books because I felt like they were going to go too deep into, like, the beat mindset, and I was going to be like, ah, I don't know about all that. Here's another line I underlined back when I read this a decade ago. It was a fine night, a warm night, a wine-drinking night, a moony night, and a night to hug your girl and talk and spit and be heaven-going. Just a nice painting of a romantic summer night. Anything else? Any other lines in here that I underlined? We'll look. And then I'll look and see if you guys are saying anything. 
Some people love this book and love the beats and all that. Um, we did Burroughs recently. I think Burroughs is in this book. Underlined a lot of things here. I got two more. Two more, two more, two more, two more. Oh, this one I definitely identified with when I was in my 20s. I had no idea what I wanted to do with life. I like too many things and get all confused and hung up running from one falling star to another until I drop. This is the night, what it does to you. I had nothing to offer anybody except my own confusion. I think I even wrote something like a short story or something called My Own Confusion at some point because I identified with that. Man, when I was like out of college, I knew I didn't want to just go get a job. My guy applied for a job at Enterprise because they like, you know, management system, you get a managed job. I went through like eight interviews and I was like, I hope I don't fucking get this job. And then uh, I didn't. I was pretty happy about it. They could probably tell I didn't want the job. I went through all the interviews. I was like, what do I want to do? I like writing. I like making videos. I like talking about things that I like, but no one cares what I have to say. So it took me a long time. You know, we made videos on this channel forever. I went to film school. I got a job as a video editor just to kill time until I thought something's got to click eventually. And uh, then I started tweeting about the Yankees. And it all kind of clicked. But, I mean, along the way, I wrote two books just for fun. I wrote 100 pages of a movie script just for fun. I wrote a book full of short stories just for fun. I have 200 pages of another novel that I never finished just for fun. Um, so I did writing for a while. We made YouTube videos every single week. We had, like, an audience of, like, 3,000 people that would watch them. That was cool. Blind taste tests and, and uh, grown losers. And, you know, it was really just to scratch my itch and to hone a skill that I, w I would hope would pay off eventually. But I think, you know, you hear people say you got to find your voice and, and who you are. And when you're 25, you're like, what the fuck does that mean? I know who I am. And then, then you grow up and you're like, oh, no, I, I had no idea who I was. My own confusion was pretty limiting to me. So I think I identified with that quote a ton when I read this. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I wanted to do so many different things. I couldn't figure it out. And then it was like a fucking, like, a, like, I, like I got hit in the head with a brick. And it was like, uh, why don't you talk about baseball? That's what you like the most, dumbass. It's like, ah, you're right, brick. So, all right. What a day full of rambling tangents. I think every, every single category today led to uh, a weird place. I'm not Brandon Cuddy just joined the Periscope. Sup, Cuddy? You just heard the rabbit hole. Probably a weird time to join, but just doing Q&A at the end now. Wrapping it up. Absurdist agent said, yes, that was my favorite book. Brutal account for later stage alcoholism. Alcoholism. Yeah. Um, did you publish those books or short stories? Yeah, I, I self-published them. And I mean, I, there's some copies out there. I don't think I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with them. Um, but I think I sold like a hundred of each just to like friends and family that were interested. It was cool. But like back then, Jake and I were doing videos, um, for nothing. I, I think I took them off YouTube. Because there's this there's this, <laughs> this series we did where we would just sit. I had three cameras. Um, 
and we had like a fake talk show and Jake and I would sit <laughs> and uh, people would like write in questions. Other people that didn't know us on YouTube, uh, college friends that kind of knew us, but didn't know us or, you know, people from high school that like knew us, but weren't like in our group of friends, you know, kind of like, you know, the web of, of social life you gain from high school and college. They would write us in questions and we would just, we would read a question. We would answer it and we'd take a shot of whiskey. So, you know, you start off sober and by the end of the night, we were 12 shots deep and like we wouldn't even remember like what was going on and we post it and it's, it's pretty lazy content. Like let's just get drunk and do something is pretty lazy, but we did that for like, you know, like a hundred people watch. We just thought it was fucking funny. Uh, and then we did the, we did a lot of stuff until it actually started going. So it's cool. Jimmy, could the Valentine thing have been when he hit for the cycle in 96? It could have been, man. I I just rem I rem I'm pissed off. I can't remember this. Valentin, um, like I I, I Valentin Hall of Fame, like because I think he he's not in the Hall of Fame, but I believe he has a bat in the Hall of Fame for something. Like that's the story I remember as a little kid. Um, but because he was mad that they were taking away his bat. That's what I remember. But I, you know, it's pissing me off. He's in the Boston Red Sox Hall of Fame? Didn't know that. He hit for the cycle in 96. Garcia Parr took over in 97. I don't know. I mean, I moved away from New Jersey in 1998 so and I remember it and I was eight years old so my memory probably only spans a couple years so I mean it was in 96 or 97 I don't know dude I fucking can't remember have you ever been to Miller Park in Milwaukee I think you would be surprised I don't know if you're asking me that or talking with someone else in the chat but I I, I have when I lived in uh, Illinois but they were doing this really weird thing where they're honoring the play-by-play -play guy I don't know if it was Euchre I forget what they were doing but it was a closed stadium, and they were playing the radio for the fans some occasion. So, like, the runner was, like, leading off first, and, like, the you could hear the play-by-play -play in the whole stadium. Like, he's not not fast-footed not fast -footed at first base, taking his lead. And I was like, what's going on? Like, I don't want to. That was my only memory. I don't know why they did that. Um, next week, do some Canadian towns for the weather. All right. Kendall, suggest them. Uh, at Morning by John Boy, Twitter and uh, Instagram. You can suggest any town you want and we'll do it. Miller Park has the best tailgate ever. Tailgate in baseball, huh? I'd rather watch batting practice than tailgate baseball. But I think that's just me. Um, do you have a favorite president? If so, which one am I? Lincoln's pretty amazing. Um, Jefferson's pretty amazing. Jefferson was so forward thinking. It's crazy. Um, what place was your favorite to live that you have lived? I like the East coast better. And I, you know, you say that to people from the West Coast and they take it as an insult, but if they move to the West Coast, they'd like the West. They, if they move to the East Coast, they'd like the West Coast better anyway, too. So um, I like, I just like, 
the East Coast better, like the tri-state. I lived in New Jersey for a little bit. I lived in Connecticut for a while a bit. I lived in New York. I mean, I, I've only lived in New York for like not even a full year, um, but I like the East Coast better. I just like the, the daily interactions with people better on the East Coast. People are more characters, especially in New Jersey, man. If someone's got a vibrant personality, they do not hide it. They're just fucking out there. Where I lived in in, in Northern California, it's like uh, everyone was trying their best to be as normal as can be in like casual inter, inter, uh, casual encounters. And then you get, you get to know people, you become friends with them, and then you see their silly side. We're like fucking, you go to the bodega in uh, New York or you go to the gas station in New Jersey and like the guy behind the counter is just like going to unleash who he is on you. Which I like. And I also like the weather. I hate the heat. I like four seasons. I like right now that I'm kind of excited for summer. And I like that in a month, I'm going to be fucking sick of summer. And I'm going to be so excited for fall. And then I, when the first snow comes, I'm going to be so excited for that. I like, the, I like the four seasons. Connecticut is the most consistent four-season place I live. And I love it. Um, you know, you're just always getting sick of something and excited for the next thing. Do you still like the Mets' 82-year-old pitching coach? He's not the 82-year-old pitching He's out. He's out. They got a new pitching coach. He's not there anymore. So, I don't know. I still like him. I don't know if he, I don't know what he's doing. Probably retire. But, who knows. All right. We got to go do uh, Last in the Past. I'll see you guys later. Yeah, this is the Big Papa speaking. Yeah, it's the Big Papa. See you guys. Thanks. Oh, baby, you know what I like. Chantilly lace and a pretty face.